Hello, everyone, and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris, and I'm joined this week by Stu. Hello. And just Stu this week. We're, we're without a Tom. Well, I say we're without a Tom. He's not here recording with us, but he is in the live show chat, so he's probably just going to be there to troll put us. us off. Yeah. Well, yeah, basically, as is his want. And, and there he is, typing already. I can see. <laughs> Tom is typing. Can't, and can't he's already repeat. said something yeah, we can't, can't read out. Yeah. Can't, re- can't read that out. <laughs> So we'll move on. Great stuff. <laughs> um, we're here to preview the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, uh, the the race that every year it comes around. I remember well done Baku and laugh just as much all over again because that <laughs> never stops being funny. Um, I think we're going to start talking about flexi wings though, because although the flexi wing thing has been going on for a few weeks now, I feel like it's probably going to come to a bit of a head this weekend. Flexi wings, Chris. Flexi wings. Have you been buying some sort of product that um, men don't normally buy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't think of that. Well, it's either that or I have to call it limbo wings. And then I remember Ted doing oh. the limbo on Sky Sports at every possible opportunity. And I, I have just had enough of that. <laughs> yeah. So I guess for those who are not fully up to speed, the flexi wing controversy <laughs> is... Um, so the technical regs say that aerodynamic parts must be rigidly secured to the entire sprung part of the car and remain immobile in relation to the sprung part of the car. Okay. In reality, immobile is impossible. Yeah. So in reality, there are FIA tests where they basically pull on the back of the wing in a kind of 90 degree direction and then pull down directly on the wing. And there is a certain amount of flex in the wing under those test conditions that is allowed for the parts to be legal as things currently stand the red bull car which is the one the controversy around and every other car passed those tests because they're allowed to race they wouldn't be able to with those parts otherwise but there is some footage that you've probably all seen that quite clearly shows the rear wing on the red bull is flexing backwards uh, at high speed which obviously theoretically gives you an aerodynamic advantage in a straight line because it's going to be reduced drag if the wing is flexing backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mercedes have kicked up a little bit of a fuss about this. I think it's fair to say. Um, <clears throat> the Another important part of the technical regulations is the FIA reserve the right to introduce further load slash deflection tests on any part of the body work which appears to be or is suspected to be moving whilst the car is in motion. And as a result, there was a new technical directive a couple of weeks ago on the 12th of May, basically telling teams that they're going to be changing that test. So they're going to be putting a higher load on the wings. Uh, They're also going to use the cameras to monitor um, for any signs of flexing. And they've actually asked the teams to put little markings on the rear wing in specific places that they can use as reference points to uh, help them measure the flex in the wings, which is quite a clever way of doing it. Makes sense, yeah. Easy way, Uh, very easy way of doing it as well. Yeah, it's it's smart. Um, So that's like controversy part one. (laughs) Controversy part two is, so this technical corrective was issued on the the 12th of May, so a couple of weeks ago now. It doesn't come into effect until the French Grand Prix weekend which means that teams could carry on using these wings at the previous race in Monaco, where they will have made precisely no difference. Yeah. But they will be able to carry on using them this coming weekend in Baku, where straight line arrow advantage in Baku is going to make probably as big a difference anywhere outside of Monza, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, it is Monzaco after all. It is Monzaco, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um 
and as a result of that, there is now a suggestion swirling around that the result of this weekend's race oh. may end up being protested as a result because Mercedes, uh, McLaren, I believe one or two other teams are not particularly happy that they've been given so long to uh, have to make these changes, including this race, essentially. Mm. It seems like a long, definitely a lot of breathing space for them to, uh, yeah, to make changes. I mean, obviously, they're not going to say, you know, you've got a week or two to do this. But they seem to have kind of gone a little in the other direction. I don't think it would have been unreasonable to ask them to have made those changes in time for this weekend. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I guess it's different unless you're on the inside and you know what sort of availability the teams have got. to. They are probably pretty substantial changes that they need to make in order to, you know, you've got to design a new wing or you've got to basically make it you've got to somehow introduce more rigidity into that wing which means yeah. you then have to increase the weight and probably if it's not a rear wing if you're doing a beam across like the actual wing itself to stop it flexing because i'm right in thinking the flex is in the middle of the wing or is the entire it body seems of like the, wing the entire assembly is is rocking backwards from what i've seen okay so so it's going to be more down at the bottom yeah, where it's where mounted it- yeah Probably. Um, so Ferrari and Alfa Romeo have confirmed that this is going to affect their rear wings as well. Although obviously neither of them are winning, so they've not been under quite as much scrutiny as Red Bull, as is always the case. Um, Alfa Romeo team principal Frederick Vasseur said uh, he claimed that it'll probably have next to no effect on the lap time. Um, but he was not best pleased. He said, we will have time to do it, but it will cost us a fortune. We're all fighting to try and save money, and then we have these kind of things. It's just a joke. It's a very Uh, good point. It's a very good point. Uh, Christian Horner estimated it would cost teams about half a million dollars to get this fixed in order to pass the new regulations. Hmm. Um I mean, Christian Horner's said he's been he's been playing the like well the car passes the regulations all the tests now so they're basically changing the regulations mid season because another team's kicked up a fuss. Which well, I mean, you know that's that's uh, rich coming from Christian Horner, isn't it? It is, and it's, I just I just don't buy that argument either. It's like as we already said, the, yes, the rules say these are the tests that we put under, but the rules also say we can change those tests at any point if you think you're up to something. So they knew the game they were playing. They knew the wing they designed was doing something a little bit tricky to yeah. to pass the test, but still flex. And, you know, again, as, as impossible as it is, the rules ultimately say nothing can move. And if something's clearly moving, obviously the yeah, FIA uh, are going to try and do something about if it. If they design movement into it then obviously that flies in the face of the spirit of the rules. So yeah, completely. absolutely the FIA are well within their rights to um, introduce new checks to make sure the rules are being followed. That's not changing the rules. That's that's making the test more capable of... Def- of enforcing the of rules. Of enforcing yeah. the rules, yeah. It's, it's, hmm. it's more, it makes it more capable of defining whether the rule is being broken or not. So Yeah, so... I suppose it's, it's, the counter argument to that is like they design it within the tolerances that they given that they're given at the start of the season. So it it could be seen as unfair to to change those tolerances midway through a season because they've designed that into the car, and hmm. in theory, that all should be you know that that should be the rule set that they're working to. So to change the rules, on the other hand, not change the rules, but to change the tests that are enforcing the rules when everyone's designed their cars to a given specification does feel 
also feel a little bit untoward. Yeah, you... There's two sides. It's not a simple thing, is it? There's two sides to this. Yeah, totally. And you do have to feel for a team like Alfa Romeo who are like, you know, there's all this argument going on between the top two teams and they're over here like just about scraping a point if they're lucky in a race and suddenly they're having to spend like all of this money and time from their workforce fixing something that was probably giving them no advantage at all or next to no advantage at the same time i don't believe that any of the teams already at this even at this early stage in the season i don't think it's going to sort of cost development of these particular cars for this season if anything they're they're not really development from next year doing much development are they right now yeah so and they can they are right in thinking they still can't actually are are the rules fully defined yet for next season's cars uh, yeah, I think so. I think they're pretty set in stone. No? Okay. So, yeah. So this is like snatching development away from next year in order to... Basically, yeah. ...bring the current cars into line with the new tests. Yeah, essentially. Which is not ideal. No. Um, but every team's got he, to do it. So, well, in theory, yeah. every, most of the teams have probably got to do it. I mean, there, there well, is to- only Toto's so- kind of said that they're going to have to do some redesign of theirs as well. So, you know, by bringing it up, they're also putting themselves at the same disadvantage, but... It's pretty clear that their wing ain't flexing nearly as much as the Red Bull. Yeah. Also, I think they're probably looking, using this looking towards next season as well, because it's it's the kind yeah. of thing that they probably want to nip in the bud before they, if Red Bull or if other teams are slightly ahead with this with this technique of of making the wings flex, making body parts flex, then obviously Mercedes and the teams that don't haven't maybe developed it quite as far as the other teams don't want them to get any further ahead. So yeah, if they're developing it's... that as a fundamental part of the car for next season, which if for Christian Horner to be kicking off the way he is, sounds like they probably are. It's probably something they were quite pleased with. Yeah, then, <laughs> you know, you, you can understand the the sort of the, the dust up that's happening as a result of it. Mm. And it, But like, it's part of the game, isn't it? It always has been, it always will be. Teams look at something another team is doing and then go to the FIA and say, oh, can we do this, please? Knowing that the FIA, if they don't think so, will then issue a directive that means the other teams have to stop doing it. It's it's always been part of the game. Yeah. So, I mean, look at the DAS system last year. Yeah, like, exactly. That came out of nowhere. And then, obviously, Red Bull protested it quite um, quite amicably. You know, it wasn't like it yeah. was, uh, you know, kicking up massive, massive stinks and there'd been all media circus around it. But it was <laughs> protested and it was quickly ruled out for the next season. It does make you wonder why they don't just say... With that in mind, it does make you wonder why they don't just say next uh, year, you know, we'll carry on the same for this year, but for next year, Mm. it's going to be, these are going to be the new tests that you have to take. Yeah, it's, it's it's tricky, isn't it? And, and it's, it's just like every team is always like, they always play the victim when they're on the receiving end of it, but the second someone else is up up to it, like Red Bull, especially Red Bull always the first to be like, oh, look at them, look what they're up to. Mm. But definitely this is different from the attitude last year actually because last year the racing point um brake duct saga as well mm. they were allowed to keep the brake ducts in the end and they were just fined and they said you just you can't have them next season or you can't do the same from next season yeah so, that was a lot more complex an issue i yeah, guess there was i it? guess you've got all the teams involved and stuff there um and then just to like further stir the pot uh, Red Bull have now been trying to turn the spotlight back onto Mercedes because the Mercedes front wing, they say, is flexing a lot more than it should be. So, 
Yeah, I mean, well, you can see it. In, I mean, I've, I always yeah. keep an eye on this stuff in the onboards because this has been a thing that's sort of gone on for... This is not the first time we've had flexible wing oh, no, action not in Formula 1. Like, Red Bull have been doing flexible front wings for goodness knows how long. And you can clearly, on the onboards, see there's a lot of vertical movement from that nose mm-hmm. cam. On that nose cam, there's... I mean, obviously, very the nose cam is very close to the wing. So it's always going to look like a huge amount of movement when actually it's probably only, like, maximum maybe a centimeters worth of movement at top speed and you know you can't it's just impossible to make a surface infinitely rigid like that that does not exist yeah that's not how physics works yeah so but but at the same time they could make them they could probably make them more rigid so they are there's no doubt every single team is designing flexibility into them within the tolerances that they're allowed and that's the whole game, isn't it? It's looking at the rules and finding every bit where you can skirt as close to the line as possible yeah. or maybe even slightly over that line and get away with it. Yeah. Like, that is Formula One. That, um, and that's one of the coolest things about Formula One. And then they, they introduce rule changes like this and it gives us something to talk about. So it's absolutely exactly, brilliant. Exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we'd be a bit short. Hmm. Uh, it, it is... It is a shame that this is happening mid-season, though, and it does suck that teams are going to have to like spend time and money on fixing this. And maybe it points to the fact that the the tests were not rigid enough, no pun intended, in the first place. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I do think this is going to roll on for a while, and I hope we don't end up getting protests after this race. Mm. I'd, I'd like to think they will. I mean, I think ultimately it depends on the result, doesn't it? If, yeah. if Mercedes win by 30 seconds, they're probably not going to worry too much. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a yeah, it's going to be an interesting one this race with all this mm. rumbling on in the background, isn't it? I think I don't know who do you think's got the who do you think's got the quicker car, Red Bull or Mercedes at Baku? That's the question, isn't it? Yeah, I um, think it's tight. I think it's I think it's really tight. Very similar for yeah. different reasons in different places. I think the Red Bull will be quicker in the twisty bits and the Mercedes will probably still just have the legs on the Red Bull on the straights. Cuz it's a real it's a real circuit of compromise, isn't it? Yeah. Like you want it to be as slippery as possible for that final sector, but then you're going to be all over the shop for a lot of the rest of it. Mm. I wonder if saying that, I wonder if with all this with it's, it's Mercedes sort of leading this protest, right? Cuz it's They've certainly been the most vocal about it, yeah. So I wonder if they've got an eye on Baku and they're thinking, we're in a bit of trouble here. We, we were slower than them in Monaco, absolutely categorically slower in Monaco, no doubt. Yeah. There. Um, and then they've almost had the legs on us at, at tracks that we should have hammered them at, like Imola. And um, uh, they beat them in Imola, actually, didn't they? It was yeah. Red Bull, one, it was Verstappen won in Imola. Um, Spain, they were, Spain was pretty close. Yeah. Mercedes kind of outmaneuvered them, but in terms of out and out speed, they were pretty yeah. close. So I think Mercedes could be this weekend in for a bit of a tough time because it's they're not going. They just don't have the advantage that they had at this. Well, last time we were at this circuit, they definitely don't have the same advantage that they had. And I think they don't have the advantage that they had on the straights. And I think probably they think a definitely lot of not. this is co- absolutely coming from the flexible rear wing situation. So yeah, and if you can, if you have a wing that can changes to aerodynamic properties to be better in a straight line it means you can have a bit more of it on for the twisty sections as well like it's it's a very very useful thing to have at this circuit mm-hmm. um wesley in the chat said but will red bull protest if mercedes win which is yeah. the, the counter protest it's entirely possible it is it's totally it, well that's what makes it so interesting isn't it like any, yeah. anyone was sort of in a situation where 
any of the teams could be accused of of contravening this mm. this rule. Um, I mean, we talk about all this now, and it'll probably blow over, and nothing will come of it. But yeah, I mean, for the image of the sport, it probably will be better if it does, because mm. it, it never looks great when you've just got all these like you know results under protest, and oh, we've got to wait two months time before the FIA sit down in Paris to discuss it and all that. Like no one wants that situation. No, no one, no one likes to see that. Like we spent, I was in two thousand nine. We spent like the literally the first third of the season being like, well, Braun are winning, we think. Yeah. But ultimately, a bunch of old white dudes have got to sit down in a <laughs> fancy room in Paris and decide if they actually are. Like. <laughs> it's so true. It really is. Over dinner. Uh, yeah. Over over champagne. Mm. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll see. I guess. Mm. Uh, a couple of other newsy bits. Not a whole lot going on this past couple of weeks. There's. Uh, We've already discussed the sprint race format in the past and the points. There's potential for a more point slash points to be on offer for the sprint qualifying weekends. Uh, so the current plan is for Grand Prix all award and all points. Um, then the top three in the sprint qualifying race will get three, two and one points respectively. Hmm. Um, there's also talk now of maybe having an extra bonus point or points for anyone who can get a grand slam of pole and win both races um i mean i would argue that if you've got pole and won the first race you're in a pretty good position to yeah, win I the next race as well like, points there do you i wonder yeah. who's uh, i wonder who's vouching for this one who's yeah pushing this i mean forward? old m stefano Demilicali like brought this up in an interview that, that he mentioned it but i don't know exactly where it's come from um I don't know. I still think the format they're using for this is about the worst they could have come up with, but I'm trying to keep an open mind. Yeah. The fact that they're trying something different with the weekend format, let's hold on to that and kind of make the best of it. But yeah, I think it's, I think what they, I do think what they're doing with the weekend format is interesting, but um, I just think it's not broke, so why fix it? I think qualifying is like already the best bit of rate of, of a Grand Prix weekend. So yeah, they're they're, tra- they're fixing a component of it that probably. I just think they're going about it kind of wrong, but everyone yeah. everyone who listens to this knows what I think it should be, and I'm not going to just keep repeating. <laughs> the only the biggest positive I see of it is that it opens up potential to just buy a Saturday ticket for Silverstone and still get to watch a race, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see qualifying and a race plus all of the kind of F two or F three are there at Silverstone, yeah. and I think which, W series might be there as well. Whichever, so. whichever's there, yeah. whichever it is, it's always a good time. Yeah. Uh, and then the last newsy bit, uh, the longest pit stop in history was completed at 9.59am last Tuesday. Uh, Mercedes finally got the front wheel off Bottas' car 43 hours and 21 minutes after his pit stop started in Monaco. Wow. How did they so, get it off? Did you did you find that out? They, I think, they released a little video, actually. It looked like they were just kind of machining away chunks of the nut until <laughs> it, like they machined away enough that it came loose to uh, take it off, actually. Um Simon Molyneux in the inbox said, I love you. I, I know you guys love a stat. In the time it took Mercedes to remove Bottas' front wheel uh, from the Monaco Grand Prix, Red Bull will have changed 340,220 wheels at their <laughs> world record pace. That's crazy. Oh, God, that would be very tiring, wouldn't it? <laughs> they're not They're not light, those uh, wheels. No. And wheel guns. Good stat, though. That is a good stat. How long was the... Longest pit stop again, 43 hours, 21 minutes. That's yeah. that's silly. <laughs> Deeply unfortunate. <laughs> oh, God. 
uh, I guess we've already kind of done the biggest storyline, which is the flexi wings. Yes. But let's do let's do some other storylines coming into this weekend. Okay. Do you want me to um, yeah, take go the ahead. wheel? Okay. Go for it. Okay. See what I did there. Um, okay. Storylines. Um, how well will Mercedes bounce back after a miserable weekend in Monaco? And it was a truly miserable weekend. One of Monaco. the worst we've seen from them in a long time. Yeah. I think the I maybe the worst race weekend of the Mercedes dominance era, I would say. I would say it's on a par with the German race when they were all in their flat caps. And yeah. I suppose the Bottas. worst one was um, Hamilton-Rosberg collision, wasn't it, where they were just out of the race? To they would probably fall. say so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, still, this one's right up there. So um, they'll be, mm. yeah, they'll be looking at ways, hopefully legal ways, of um, winning the race. And I mean, we've said it before, haven't we, plenty of times. If, if you can bet on anyone to overcome issues and come back, it's probably going to be the most successful team in history, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's... They, they, I think they're going to struggle, man. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm really, I, don't, I can't see them doing so great actually in uh, in Baku. It's not given everything we've just discussed. Yeah, I mean they've they've won it, they've won it a few times, but they've never had an easy time there. Put mm. it that way. Yeah, um, and they've had some bad luck there as well. I remember um, Bottas's uh, puncture in 2018. 18, that was yeah. Um, yeah, that was very unfortunate. Um, Hamilton's headrest thing he had yeah, going on the year yeah, before, yeah, of course. And then, of course, there was the old there was the drama with um, Vettel um, having a sort of an argument <laughs> with <laughs> giving with him Hamilton. a little nudge, yeah, giving him a little nudge on the track. Um, Tom says, um, "Tom's what Tommy's doing is stealing a stat that I've already got lined up here." Oh, have you? Well, would you like to go for the? You go for it then. The stat is that. Um, there's been four races uh, in Baku and no driver has won it twice. It's been a different winner every year so far. Um, and Mercedes have actually won it three of those four times, but again, it's not been under the easy circumstances. Yeah. Um, do you think we'll get another new winner? Um, yes, I think we might. Yeah, but um, we'll save that for predictions. We'll save that prediction, yeah. Okay, um, the next storyline is, uh, was Ferrari's improved form situational or have they taken a step forwards? Um, you know, do we think that this uh, uptick in form is going to follow them through tobacco to, to, to Baku, or is it um, <laughs> follow them through tobacco, or is it <laughs> Ferrari, um, or is it yeah, is it is it just a flash in the pan for? Uh... I'm really interested to find out. Like, I, I would like to think it is a step forward. Like, they're already talking their chances down, but then again, what team doesn't? talk their chances down. you never see a team going to a weekend being like yeah we're gonna we're gonna ace this one we've mm. got this in the bag yeah. i think they were a bit surprised themselves at how quick they were in monaco yeah, to they be seem very surprised so i uh, again it's, this is a very 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 different track this is a totally different beast and it really is given the performance that we've seen so far from ferrari they've been fairly fairly quite firmly in fourth fourth fastest third or fourth fastest car and i think this track is going to be a, probably a, I'm going to play it safe and say a similar situation for them I think they'll struggle to beat McLaren here yeah I would agree I reckon that'll be good in the middle sector <laughs> yeah that's about the most positive I can be yeah um, the next one is will Aston Martin's upturn in form continue at a track they've had success at in their previous forms obviously that's the, that team have always made a slippery car through the air mm. um They've got the best power unit, arguably the best power unit in the back of it, mm-hmm. um, just like McLaren do. Um, 
I think possibly maybe Aston Martin might do a, as well as they did in Monaco. I think this will be a track they will look at as like, this is one of our chances to get a good result. Yeah. Especially given that you get weird results at this track anyway. And as you say, they've always made a slippery car. Like they've always gone well at places like here and Spa and the like. Yeah. So I'd like to think they will have a better weekend. I think they maybe get Monaco is a good track to get your head around setup of a car as well. I think like if you can, mm-hmm. if you can generate grip at Monaco, then you know you've got a good car mechanically. So yeah. they just need to sort of get the aero balance right. And they've probably learned a few lessons from the outing at Monaco. I'm sure Ferrari the same. Yeah, so, definitely. you know, we, we could see for both these teams, some of that pace for them through to the streets of Baku. But again, it's kind of, it's just, it's so difficult to tell this season because everyone's moving still, even what's round six we're heading into now, people are still sort of moving around a lot. And there's a lot of yeah. um, variation in performance over, over race weekends. So it's very, very difficult to tell. I do not look forward to doing predictions, which we're about <laughs> to do. <laughs> I think another factor as well is uh, Vettel's confidence is probably going to be among the highest it's been for a few years, actually, yeah. after. Because he had a such a good race in Monaco. Mm. Um, it really looked like the Vettel of old. And I think just having that bit of confidence in the car and what it can do is going to go a long way as well. Definitely. And I think also, like, the, the way... That some of these, uh, you know, some of these drivers like Sainz and Norris, they, they've had such good performances at Monaco, and they've, you know, they've run it to the edge, and they've they've got results from it. And there are sections of the track that are very similar to Monaco in terms of like, you know, you can't really make any mistakes all the way through the track. You can't really make any mistakes other than turn one. There's not really any runoff. Um, mm-hmm. So they'll be feeling confident in their cars. They'll be feeling like they've found a setup that helps them push the car to the limit in those tight circumstances and um having come off the back of monaco i think having got used to taking the car right to the edge of the barriers is probably going to benefit them quite a lot going into things. Yeah. i think there should be some fast times in baku this week yeah definitely um anything else storylines wise i think that's that's all i've got for now they're, they're, they're the big things to keep your eye on i think for sure yeah. i mean that midfield battle is just like i saw you know those kind of like diagrams where it'll show the pictorially show the gaps between the various cars yeah. and it's i saw one of those early it's basically hamilton and verstappen then a gap and then uh, norris and bottas then a gap and basically everyone else in a kind of blob of being incredibly close together <laughs> so anything can happen anything could yeah, happen this week basically it's it, this is a very which, very difficult one to predict which leads us nicely into predictions yeah. um i'm really not looking forward to this one uh we we picked our random driver ahead of time uh so tom has already been able to do his predictions and send them to us so i'm gonna make you go first you fastest in q3 tom has gone for verstappen hmm ah this is very very difficult um because of the long straight i'm gonna go mercedes Ooh, i'm gonna keep the faith so it's gonna be hamilton i think i feel like it's more a red bull track i'm going verstappen i'm going with tom okay I'm going to split the difference then and go Verstappen for the win. Oh, he's going straight for it. Tom has also gone Verstappen for the win. What are you having? You're going to go for a bit of differentiation? To uh... I am. I am. Because this is a track that throws up odd results. Stuff happens at this track, particularly to people at the front. I am going to go for Verstappen getting 
something going wrong for Verstappen, be that getting tangled with someone or an issue or something. I'm going for a Perez win. Wow. Ooh, wow. Okay. Goodness. Because I think I think the Red Bull is going to be quick enough that when Verstappen has some kind of issue, as often happens at Baku, Perez will be quick enough in that car to pick up the pieces. Mm. I'm going bold. We'll see if he pay. We'll see if he pays off. But then we'll also see in a week's time that Hamilton just aces it, and none of us get any points for that. So it's academic. Yeah. Uh, first DNF. Tom's gone for Lance Stroll. Uh, Mazepam, please. <laughs> see a, a theme forming here. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm going to go for the old hero to zero and say Vettel. He had a great weekend last time out. Oh, so. that's cruel. Um, <laughs> uh, number of finishers. Do you want to know how many it was last time out? Yes, please. I would love to. Two years ago, actually, wasn't it? Yep. Uh, it was 16 finishers. Mm. In 2019, it was 14 in 2018. I'm going to go with... I think 16 is a sensible number. 17 is a more sensible number, but that's what Tom's gone for. So I'm going to go 16. Um, it's not 18. 18 cars not finishing this race. No way. I mean, the number of finishes has been fairly high this season so far. It has. But that's true. I was torn between 16 and 17, so I'm copying some regardless. So I'm going to go for Old Faithful 17. Okay. Uh, and then finally, our random driver is Yuki Tsunoda. A rookie who has never been at this track before. Mm. I don't. Is he been? Actually, I don't think he's been there in any form, has he? No, no, no. He wouldn't have. Because obviously, F two weren't there last year because no one was. Yeah, he has been finishing races. Last time out, he didn't have such a great race. I think he struggled a bit at Monaco. It's another one of those where it's a track where you've got to keep your head, and it's is he's, he's not been great at keeping his head. <laughs> no, so far this season. So I am going to put. I'm going. I think he'll finish. I think he'll finish quite far down the field. I don't. Tom's got him twelfth. I don't. I think that's very ambitious. I think is he's a fifteenth. I'm gonna go fifteenth. Fifteenth. Uh, I can confirm he has never raced there before in anything. Hmm. Feeling more confident about my fifteenth suddenly. Yeah, that feels more like. Again, I think a lot depends on the number of finishes, doesn't it? If there's a bunch of retirements, he's going to end up yeah. a little higher just by default. I'm going to go. I've said 17 finishes, so I'm going to put him 14th. Yeah, that feels right. Hmm. Uh, and that is us. But as always, if you want to get involved, head over to backofthegrid.com where you can sign up for free if you haven't already to take part. As always, there's a prize every week for anyone who manages to get five out of five. And then we've also got a prize for the season champion. So um, yeah, entry should open within the... Pretty much when you hear this, entries should be open and they'll close at the beginning of Q1. So, yeah, join us and get involved. Okay, should we do some inbox? Let's do some inbox. Keep it safe now. Stay, stay man. Okay, I'll take the first one. Um, Callum Hall says, how many times have you crashed going through the castle segment on the F1 game? This is at Baku Street Circuit, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, many is my answer to that. I would say at least 50% of the times I've driven through that corner. Yeah. It's just not a... Like, it's visually a fun corner to look at. It's not a fun corner to drive in the slightest. No. That whole section is just like... It's basically like... You've done the first part of the lap that works all right. The rest of it's pretty good. We've just got to get you between those two points. So let's do a bit of um, bit of tourism advertising in the meantime yeah. and drive past the nice castle. Yeah. 
But it, uh, I mean, it looks great. The cars do look cool going oh, through it looks there. It's very tight yeah. and it's a very difficult section of track, which is what a Formula One track should be. So Yeah, exactly. Next question from Tom, but not that Tom. Uh, love to hear what you guys think of Extreme E. Have you been watching at all? I have been watching Extreme E. Have you been watching Extreme E? I watched the first Extreme E, yes. Has there Did been see... another one yet? or is it? Yes, Weekend Just Gone was the second round in Senegal. Ah, I need to watch that. I haven't watched that it, yet. And it was much better this time around. Um, I think the, the first round, there were a lot of teething problems yeah. with the first some, round. Some, some of kinks. them down... Yeah, so I think some of it was things they could control, some of it was out of their control. Um, they've made quite a few changes to the few changes to the format and just like the way they present things. It was much, much better. The the actual wheel-to-wheel racing was great. Like at the first round, um, basically once they, in the race rounds, once you got past the first corner, the race was decided. I don't think there was no overtake for the rest of the races other than when someone had like a technical issue or something. But there was proper like racing down to the final corner going on this round. Oh, wow. Yeah, really cool. Uh, Like the the circuit design was absolutely awesome. Just like having the main straight literally running down the beach along the ocean front. Oh, that's cool. In fact, coming out the final corner, a lot of them were running really wide, almost right to the water because obviously the sand was a lot flatter and more compact there yeah. so they could get more traction and stuff. It was it was good. It was it was really impressive. Um really enjoying it. It's it's very, very different to most other motorsport, but in a really a really fun way. It almost sounds like real life dirt five to me. It kind of is, yeah. It's all very like neon and flashy and the cars are just ridiculous and yeah. And there's it's I think again it's because it's like a new, very new thing and like a lot of them are traveling around together all the time and stuff like there's a lot there's not much in the way of like animosity even in the races like it's kind of very much a camaraderie thing and like everyone involved is just happy to be there and it's happening obviously they all want to win yeah um and they're happy when they win but it's everyone just seems to be really enjoying it as a thing to be doing which is really nice that's cool. um yeah jensen button wasn't there this weekend but uh kevin hansen took his place um and he just like hit the ground running so impressively um he's he's such an awesome driver cool um i will definitely watch that as soon as we yeah, finish this podcast re- really really enjoying it i would i would urge people to watch it if they haven't been already <laughs> um okay next one um wesley jp and oscar feeling so fielding i'll do wesley's first um valtteri seems to like this track what do you think the odds are that he'll come into Baku and perform better than Lewis? Maybe repeat 2019. And Oscar Fielding says both Bottas and Perez have decent history in Baku. Is this the race where they can strike back at their teammates? And Bottas has a win and a P2 and Perez has two P3s. Um, I have a feeling Chris read that before he made his prediction. <laughs> I actually didn't. Then I put that in the inbox and was like, oh, good. At least one of the person agrees with me <laughs> up to a point. Uh yeah, hmm. I think it is a good opportunity for both of them. Yeah, agreed. It, they both need it as well, based on their season so far. Yes, uh, Bottas especially. Yeah, well, I think um, per- I think Perez just as much, to be honest. Like he's well, he's got a, you can give him a bit more benefit of the doubt because he's only just joined the team. But he's had his five races, though, hasn't he? He said himself, you need, you need five races to get up to speed. Yeah. And this is the race where he needs to be. He's up had to his speed five. Now. Yeah. Um, Will it happen though? I don't think Bottas is quite got the uh there's something about Bottas in this season's car that just is not this doesn't feel like the same Bottas to me it's just not working is it Mm. it's just not clicking 
And, um, and then as far as Perez, you know, we've mentioned, I think he's definitely, Perez has got the pace, I think, to be up there and to be challenging once he gets his head around that car. Um, yeah, they, 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 um, they're not talking about doing his contract until after the summer break. I read that one too, um, Wes. So, yes, it's... That's pretty standard procedure for Red Bull though, isn't it? It is. Unless your name is Sebastian Vettel or Max Verstappen, they've never done early contracts or long-term contracts for their drivers historically. Mm. Like, I don't think Mark Webber was ever on more than one or two years at a time. Um, Ricard- Ricardo probably was, to be fair. Yeah, I think Ricardo was on quite a long-term. But in recent years, that's not how I've gone about things. No. So I'm not sure I'd read too much into that. Um but yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's going to be one of those that we just have to going to wait and see what what happens when when we get to qualifying yeah. on Saturday because it's it's just I think it's wide open based on the last race especially I think this is so wide open going into Baku now yeah it really is I mean, Baku's pretty wide open at the best of times yeah, yeah. Could, couldn't be season. better circumstances going into a race at, no it really in Azerbaijan couldn't. Azerbaijan how do you even say it <laughs> take your pick I yeah. think should we do the next one. Next, uh, Udik Kishore says, what can we expect to be the result of the formal shouting match between Red Bull and Mercedes over <laughs> Flexi Wings? I think they'll end up protesting each other. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? That'd be so fun. Oh, your, I... well, your rear wing's flexing. Oh, well, your front wing's flexing. <laughs> Let's all have a protest. Or maybe they'll just, maybe just a fist fight between uh, <laughs> uh, Toto Wolf and Christian Horner. I'm surprised no one's asked that ever before. Who do you think would win in a fist fight? Maybe maybe our fight? audience is just way more highbrow than what I give them credit for. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I kind of feel like it's going to end up being a bit of a storm in a teacup and there'll be all this talk, but ultimately France will come around and they'll all turn up with their new wings and yeah. it'll just and be forgotten. The handbags will be safely stowed in the bagging area. Yeah, I mean, like, the whole DAS thing, like, as much as I tried to, the, a lot of the press tried to make that into a big deal, it was just like, we'll protest it, and the FIA went, yeah, it's fine, but you can't do it next year, and everyone just sort of went, all okay. right. Yeah. And then, honestly, there were moments last season where I completely forgot about it until you saw it on board. It was like, oh, yeah, they've, they've got the weird steering wheel thing, haven't yeah. they? Like, I, I, it was a bit of a non-event. I do wonder if that, not having that this season at Monaco has... Definitely, because it seemed to come into its own at Monaco last year, the DAS yeah, system, because of the of long wheelbase <laughs> and stuff like that. And it's probably them not having that and not really having provision to you know, replace it because it's not like they can redevelop the car, change the wheelbase or anything like that. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. So that's probably costing them a fair amount of time. Yeah, because it was a car designed to have that that they've now had to take it off, isn't it? Yeah. Never thought of that. And no, no one's really actually mentioned that at all in, the, yeah. in, in any of the coverage or anything. But actually, that it's is quietly gone away. Yeah, it's it's so true that that is the case. They absolutely, definitely developed this car originally to have features that are simply unavailable to them anymore. So yeah. they're obviously having to. They, they would have. I'm sure they would have like been able to adjust the suspension such that they can. Obviously, they've they've still got adjustability in like the the toe of the car. But yeah, I mean. I would imagine they came into last season prepared to take it off if needs be because they knew it was going to be protested. So as confident as they were, it was legal. I'm sure they had in the back of their minds, but if needs be, we can take it off the car yeah. without like any real detriment. Yeah. Well, they could just not use it, couldn't they? That would be the... Uh... But then it's unnecessary weight, isn't it? Also You're going to leave a mechanism on that does nothing. That's very true. If you don't have to. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> hmm. Uh, last question. 
How do you think the top F1 drivers will would get on in IndyCar, um, like Lewis or Max, etc.? Would they be able to do a Mansell and win the title in their first season? I guess it depends on the team they joined, wouldn't it? If you put one of them in the top in a top team in IndyCar, then. Yeah, I mean, Alonso's kind of proved both sides of it, hasn't he, in a way? Alonso turned up having never driven an Indy car in his life in a top-team car, and he was in contention for the win until his engine popped. Yeah. Then he turned up again in a car that wasn't one of the best on the grid, and he didn't even qualify for it. Yeah. So, I think the the ovals, they wouldn't probably do as well as you'd think, but I think the circuit races, they'd, they'd wreck shop. Yeah. I think they'd do really, really well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even Grosjean has turned up and been within like three races. He was on pole and uh, only just missed out on the win. So yeah. there's 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 as big as there's, there are a lot of differences between those cars, but it, there's obviously also an awful lot of transferable skills there. Yeah, well, especially on um, the circuits for sure. On the ovals, not so much, but on the circuits, definitely. There's, I think, there's a big gap in in the skill of a Formula One driver compared to a IndyCar driver around just a, a circuit. You know, I think because Formula One drivers have do nothing but go around circuits, of course they're going to be better. Yeah, right? I think IndyCar drivers have to be more good around. at two, yeah. two very different skill sets. Like oval driving is a very, very different skill set to basically any other form of racing, isn't it? So anyone who does like full season of IndyCar has to have those sort of two differing skills um, yeah. in their arsenal. Mm. But then um, you, you might say Formula 1 drivers are so adaptable that they ought to be able to get yeah. good at turning left. So Yeah, I mean, we've got uh, <laughs> all of our IndyCar and NASCAR listeners just explode hearing <laughs> you say that. Did you see any of the Indy 500 at the weekend? I did not. My parents were visiting this weekend um, and I... Probably would have get... appreciated you putting a... No. no when I, we haven't seen them in... <laughs> literally a year then no they probably wouldn't be too happy with me just sitting for Mind six just hours stick on and a... watching IndyCar <laughs> um I I did I watched the entire thing for the first time I've, I've, I've watched lots in the past and dipped in out but I actually basically sat and watched the whole thing how long was it and it was about two and a half three hours oh, I that's think, not so in the end. yeah there weren't that many um yellow flag periods compared to previous years I've watched it this time around um and as someone who I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of oval racing i don't get i mean a i don't find it as exciting as circuit racing to watch and b i find it quite scary to watch because cars should not be going that fast in packs that close together Mm. it kind of scares me but that being said i actually really enjoyed it it was a very strategic race oh you Um, love those don't you chris love a good strategic race um yeah it was it was really enjoyable to watch um and then the fact that um Helio Castroneves won like the the cheer when he took the lead and when he won you wouldn't think it was like third capacity wherever it was like it was a proper like fan favorite like everybody in the place even even the drivers he beat everyone was happy to see the guy win it oh um, that's good that's nice so for, for context he he won it for the fourth time which is he equals the record basically only three other people have won the Indy 500 four times um but he's he's 46 it's the 21st Indy 500 he's entered. He's not been racing full-time in Indy since 2017, I think it was. It's been like 12 years since he last won. And from what I've read, he basically got like shuffled out of his old team um, because they wanted to make space for all the younger drivers they were bringing up. Um, So for him as like a a fan favourite driver, I think a lot of people 
wish was still part of the sport to turn up and beat all these young guns because there's like this proper like kind of like f1 have had in recent years actually like there's this proper group of like new young drivers in indycar who are really like making waves and beating a lot of the old guard yeah so for him to turn up as a 46 year old not even full-time racer and beat a lot of them was it was really I think cool that's, to watch. that's the beauty of the indy 500 isn't it yeah and it's it's this uh similar to le mans like although like the outright victory of le mans is kind of not as competitive these days you do get these just like people turning up just for that race that don't do the rest of the series and just get like poor results out of nowhere and crazy yeah. things can happen and i really like like this this might be a controversial thing to say as a formula one podcast host but of the triple crown i would find the monaco grand prix the least interesting of the well, three. Oh, really no i don't know about that i think i said it last week i think like the the battle is all with against the track it so is. I think it would be. I think the three of them are equally, equally grueling races, equally difficult to win. They are in very different ways. Yeah, and, and definitely... that's why it's triple crown. It's, it's a sign of the all-round race driver, and that's yeah, why so few people have done it. Oh yeah, totally. Um, but I did. I did really enjoy watching it. It was. It was a really entertaining race. Um, weird to see Montoya back racing again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, didn't have the best time of it, unfortunately, but. Um, cool to see in there all the same um yeah very it was, cool it was, it was it was a good time i might have to, uh, I'll have to watch the highlights of that one I think. yeah weirdly i think there's like a seven minute highlights video of a three-hour race on youtube which is not going to show you all that much <laughs> most of the highlights are going to be people failing to slow down in time to get into the pit lane and either getting penalties or crashing that was that was a theme of this race <laughs> okay oh i'll look forward to that then uh and that's about everything this week um we'll be back in a week's time to review the azerbaijan grand prix which is normally a good one so i'm looking forward to seeing this one yes uh if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime you can find us on facebook twitter instagram all those things uh just by searching back the grid you can also go to backthegrid.com where there's a contact us form and that is also where you can Join the Predictions League and enter your predictions. Uh, as I said earlier, you have until the start of Q1 to do that. Uh, you can also join our Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash back of the grid, uh, which will give you access to the Discord where uh, we sit and chat through all the live sessions. A few of us were chatting our way through the Indy 500 the weekend as well and some of the Extreme, which was really good fun. Uh, Matty, thank you as always to everyone for listening uh, and special thanks to our patreon members especially our team principals who are alexia jarvis dustin jantos mark mcneil narayan hamari and wesley paul thank you guys and that is about it isn't it so yep, that'll do us for this week i think until next week well done baku <laughs> bye